We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Matt, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. This is Matt Starbuck. from. He's one of the co-owners and one of the brewers here at Cross Timbers Brewing in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's downtown. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it. But Jared and I wanted to have him on the podcast today. We absolutely appreciate you coming on, Matt. Uh, just a quick kind of background. Could you tell us about yourself? Where, where are you from? How you guys, like, how we got here today? For sure. Um, grew up in the metropolis of uh, Shattuck, Oklahoma. Population uh, 12, well, I don't know what it is now. It was, it was 1,200 when we were there. Uh, I think it's grown to about 1,250. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if the exodus of people leaving is the same of people moving in, but it seems to be about the same when, you know, when I go back in. My parents still live in Shattuck, and that's, uh, that's how, I guess, that's how we got connected is kind of a Shattuck connection yeah. is through Tyler Webb. Yeah, but you didn't hardly remember him. I did. I did. I did. Yeah, no, I did. I didn't. I mean, I didn't remember him enough to invite him. I guess to be on the podcast. But well, sorry, Tyler. Uh, well, we, we have an extra seat here too. I, where, yeah, I thought there was going to be a fourth. Where is he? Yeah, we even had a chair for Tyler. He just didn't want to show up. I mean, we all invited him, so it's just well, weird I didn't come. Well, we'll make it up to you, Tyler. Uh, but yeah, so uh, grew up, <laughs> grew up in Shattuck. Um, started. Started Cross Timbers with a lifelong friend. Uh, his name's Britton Johnson. He's unable to be on podcast today, um, but started it with him, and that was that was kind of a cool, unique thing too. It's like we've known each other since first grade. You know, um, long. It's a long story, but let's let's look at 2017. So 2017, Britton and I were both fed up with our jobs in the corporate world. Uh, at that time, Rufftail, I don't know if y'all have been to mm-hmm. their tap room. They're in, they're off Memorial now. At that time, they were in Midwest City. So it was a Friday. We had both had really bad weeks at work and we were just like, man, there's got to be something better. Like we can figure something out. And we were just talking and we're like, let's just do it. Like, let's, let's try to start a brewery because we would rather try and fail than to look back 10, 20 years later and just, be kicking ourselves it was like, why didn't we at least try? Yeah. You know, so that's where it really, that's where as far as going from the garage to where we're at now began. It was in the fall of 2017. Um, started homebrew in 2010. So, so were you and Britton doing that together, or were you guys yeah. doing it on your own? Yeah, or? I brewed like I brewed a couple batches on my own in 2010, and I was like, oh my god, like holy crap, like you can brew beer at your house, like this is amazing. Now the first batch I did have to dump. Uh, it was, it was no bueno, uh, <laughs> but that second batch, it was like a little light bulb went off, you know? And from there, I don't know, that's always been kind of my creative outlet ever since 2010. It's, uh, it's, I like coming up with unique recipes and beer names and it's just, I just kind of get lost in it, you know? And that's kind of how I knew that it's what I wanted to try to do as a profession is because time kind of. 
time kind of stops for me when I'm in, you know, in the zone of doing what I'm doing out there. And I've noticed that too. Like we brewed yesterday and my stress, I don't really think about my stress, my stressors, you know, a lot, like the things that give me anxiety are, they're still there, but I'm not, they're not at the forefront of my mind. You know, I'm focused on the process and that's, and that's what I really like about what I do is that I'm, it's, it's, I think it's what I was meant to do. And I've, I've done a couple extract brewers myself. And yeah. then once you realize how simple it is, you kind of kick yourself. Like when I was in high school, instead of like trying to find somebody to buy me beer, it has just been easier just to brew my own beer back Oh yeah, then. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not even illegal. To this buy is all terrible stuff. advice, by the way. For <laughs> Wait, I, oh, I never, I never did that. By the way. <laughs> I never, uh, yeah. Yeah, my I'm, kids listen to the podcast, Chief. Yeah, they, they don't do oh, you that. Drink, you drink beer in high school? <laughs> Man, what a rebel. Oh, no. I was really, yeah. really the guy that your parents told not to hang out with. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, well, in Northwest Oklahoma, you know, you, you hunt, hunt, fish, play sports, and, uh, you know, start drinking beer at too young of an age. That's about that sounds all kind of like a good life, though, really. It was, no, I, I liked, I liked, like, looking back on it, I'm glad that I grew up um, as a rural as I did. You know, my dad's a farmer rancher, and, uh, yeah, it was you know, it was a cool pace. So yeah, got to do a lot of outdoor stuff. It was cool. I, I want to ask you. So when you and you and Brenton got together and said there's got to be something better, and decided that you would try starting a brewery, um, did did you all go kind of immediately quit your jobs and go full in on brewery, or how did you guys do that? It was kind of a kind of a combination of both. So that next Monday, so this was on a Friday when we met and kind of had this talk, and you know we had a few beers at Rough Tail, but we were. We were pretty amped up about it. And on that Monday, he went out and he bought, um, essentially, it was professional grade equipment, like for the garage level, you know, so smaller size. Yeah, it was that next Monday. He went out and got it, stuck it in my garage, you know, installed it. And uh, just, it was just kind of, we were, we were full steam ahead from that point. And not necessarily on the professional level, but we were, honing our process, using, learning to use, you know, more, I guess, professional equipment. And then we reached out to, his name's Brad Stump. At that time, he's the owner of what's called the Brewers Union. It's since closed. Um, OKC Soda is actually making their product out of that same building. But kind of our goal, our short-term goal was, all right, we know that, we know our beer's good. Let's get into the Brewers Union. Because essentially what the Brewers Union was is an incubator for homebrewers wanting to turn pro. So we knew that that was our best shot of having this this brewery that we're sitting in right now someday is first step, let's get into the Brewers Union, learn how to scale up from the garage size to the size we're brewing on now. So we contacted Brad and Brad gave us a list of things that we needed to run through and we just started, like we made a checklist and we were like, all right, we're fully committed. We just started checking them off. And that was, that was you know, early 2018 fast forward to March 2019 and we had our grand opening at the Brewers Union as one of the four breweries in there. That was our side hustle for two and a half years and it was so hard on us and our families because we both had full-time managerial positions. I mean, we were, we were doing like 16 hour days. Like it was stupid. Um, and it wasn't sustainable, but we, we did manage to do that for about two and a half years. The BU, the Brewers Union closed and then the build out for the spot that we're sitting in now took a little over a year. So that was that was kind of a time where we used to shift gears from, all right, we went from the garage 
to the bruising in the incubator. Now this is the next chapter, so we got to get ready for this. And it gave us it gave us time to kind of prep for this. In like 2017, I mean, that's I mean, bre- brewers were hot and big like at that point, right? That was kind of like the upstart of where. I mean, I probably started a little earlier than that, but I remember breweries being really popular in like 2010, oh, 2020, sure. right? Yeah. So that's a hard thing to commit to. Like, how do you find your niche? And so right. what was some of the first beers that you brought to the brewers and that way you could find that niche? The beer, so the beer that got us, I would say that, I guess, cemented the deal to get us into the brewers union. It's called Greenage, our flagship beer. It's a cilantro lime goza. So it's a, it's a tart German wheat beer. We use pink Himalayan salt. Uh, fresh cracked coriander, um, fresh cilantro, fresh limes, and like fresh everything. Like it's a pain, as is what we'll talk later about. But Bob Dylan's such pain too. <laughs> but that's the beer. So that's the beer that got us in there. But we knew, like going into it, we had been to breweries across the nation. We had seen what we like from certain tap rooms. We had seen kind of what works. And as you mentioned, that that was a hot time for breweries. Like they just started kind of to explode. So from and I. I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think it's from 2000 and 2008 to 2018. Somewhere in that 10-year time span, Oklahoma went from, like, it was like a ridiculous amount, like 8 or 10 breweries to like 80, and that's including like one in planning. So yeah, it was an explosion of breweries, so we knew that we had to try to bring something unique to the table, which is what led us to kind of mess around with herbs. So what, what was it like brewing greenage for the first time? It's like, hey, we're going to throw some salt, some cilantro right. in this. You know, right. like, we were like, I have no idea if this is going to taste good. And people tell you it's a bad yeah. idea. Oh, no, that got, yeah, we were told not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, actually, I hope it doesn't get me in trouble, but it was by Britain's wife. I remember she did not like the idea. You know, she was just like... I don't know about cilantro and a beer, but the re- <laughs> and, and then fair enough. I mean, fair enough. Cause you know, from what I've told, I love cilantro, but I'm, what I'm told is I guess it tastes like soap to the people who doesn't I like don't it. even eat cilantro. So yeah. So it kind of tastes soapy to you. <laughs> yeah. So in, and fair enough. So yes, absolutely. But I feel like not just in, I think just in any aspect of life, any industry, you know, like you, you got to take some risks. You know, so outside of just doing this, you know, yeah, it was a risk to kind of mess around with that sort of stuff. But we knew that we had to try to differentiate ourselves from the the mainstream. And actually, I will take this point in the podcast to plug the fact that we were the first brewery in the entire nation to use cilantro on a production side batch. Nice. So, yeah, that's why everybody told you not to do it. I, yeah, because it's like nobody was doing it at right. the time, right? Yeah, it just is like, you don't do that. You know, you put it on tacos. You don't make a beer out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now people are still drinking this, that beer. It's our, it's still our number one seller. And that beer is a dollar to every Oklahoma State Park or is it to hunting? No, 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 not that one. That's public lands. Public lands, lands. yes. Yep. That's um, why a lot of the guys from like in the Navy, I'm like, hey, you got to go check out Crossovers. A lot of them are big hunters and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, if you buy, they have the public works beer yep. and a dollar is donated back to That's hunting. That's what I'm drinking right now. For every, for every beer sales, and that's usually like, oh, okay, I'm in. Like, I'm going to check them out there, you know? So I think it's cool you guys do not just brewing, but you're you're kicking back to, like, hunting. Sure. And then you just you have that new beer, Oakie 811, 811, yep. and then that's what you call for Oakie Dig. Right. And like, I, like, I love how you guys use your uh, different names. You have Toast Malone. Right. <laughs> like, you, and you, I think your brewery has such a variety. Like, a lot of brewers you go to... And I don't want to call anyone specific, specific in Oklahoma City, but 
like the specialize in heavy beers or the specialize in a certain style of like sure. amber or, or, or ale or something. But you guys had your variety across the board. You got a beer with cilantro in it to a beer that tastes like marshmallow, like a, a s'more almost, you know, right. toast Malone. And so that variety is what draws me in to the brewery uh, alone. That's why I appreciate this brewery more than any other ones in the Oklahoma City area. So nice. No, that's that's good to hear. Like yeah. we we do try to uh, we do try to keep. A nice mix, you know, on draft at all times. Like I, we try not to lean too heavily to one style. Um, we kind of like to brew classic style. So I'm talking, you know, pilsners and like like ambers and all that. But also like mix it up and do fun stuff with herbs and weird flavors. You know, like it's. But that's part of what keeps it fun for me too. Like as a brewer, I would get so bored just doing like the same stuff over and over. Well, that's so. what I was going to say. I mean, I think, you know, you said it was kind of a creative outlet for you. For sure. It comes through in like the names of the beers. It comes through in the, in the flavors of the beer. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. You mentioned the Bob Dylan. So I'll, I'll take this time to tell everyone <laughs> listening what one of the big factors that got us to this point here is you guys brew a beer called Bob Dylan. And then there's a spicy version called angry Bob Dylan. And, uh, and it's a, it's like a pickle beer. I'll let you explain what it really is, but it's, it's got a, a heavy pickle juice flavor. And I, I'm not even somebody who loves that, but someone had told me about it. Um, I think it was Christy Perkins, but somebody had told me that it was a great pickle beer for a post-workout for, you know, after a run or after a bike or something like that. And I thought, you know, that kind of makes sense. I think I'll give it a shot. And so I showed up over here in the tap room. I was by myself. It was a time where I was actually in trial over here in Oklahoma City. And so one day after trial, I went to just kind of unwind. And I was like, I'll, I'll, try, the, I'll try the Bob Dylan. And I took a drink of that thing, and I thought, this is the perfect post-workout beer. Um, and, and after that, Chief started coming by and picking up six-packs. And so he would bring them when we run together a lot on the weekend. And after our runs, we enjoy some beers together. And so he would, he would bring the Bob Dylan to drink. I got so attached to it that the Bob Dylan was in my drop bag at Leadville at the 50-mile turnaround. Um, it, it just, to me, it is the absolute most perfect uh, post, or I guess even mid-workout beer. So uh, that's my plug for it. And it will be at your drop bag again this year at the 50-mile mark. <laughs> and not only is the beer fantastic, because it's, it's not real heavy and, and you think like you pickle beer, you think you're drinking out of a pickle jar. Right. And you're really not. It's super light dill flavor to it. And you have an angry Bob Dylan, which is a spicy version yep. of the Bob Dylan. Yep. And then also you have the coolest logo or label of any beer. It's a pickle that looks like Bob Dylan. And it's literally the coolest label I could ever imagine. I, I've taken them off the cans and like put them on my fridge nice. in the garage just because I like I absolutely love that drawing of just yep. the little pickle that you have on there. So you told us the Bob Dylan was a pain in the butt. Right. Why do you say that? Yeah, let's go into detail. Uh, so we, because we use actual like classic pickles and the juice in that beer. Um, so we're going, um, we tried to set an account up with Benny Keith for bulk, you know, but really what we found, like it's the same price just to go to Walmart. So we get a lot of funny looks. We'll go to, we'll go to Walmart and just load up a shopping cart of Vlasic pickles, you know, and like without fail, like we can't walk. It's like we walk through the aisles and like heads just turn and look and smile and ask us, Oh, you must like pickles. huh? like, Oh, there's just four beers. And then you, then they're, you know, brows furl up and they're like, Oh, Okay. I heard that, but I don't quite agree with that. But yeah, no, it's a pain because we're using 
a lot of our beers, we use fresh ingredients and we kind of take, it's the same thing as like in the culinary world with cooking, fresh ingredients always taste better. It's the same thing with beer for the most part. So we like to use fresh ingredients. So um, we do use dill in it as well for a little extra punch, but we use actual Vlasic pickles. We run them through a food processor. Um, oh, why? Wow. So you actually use the whole pickle itself? Yeah, we're using the actual pickles. Not not just the juice, we use the pickles themselves because that gives a little bit of that fresh cucumber punch to it too. So otherwise, it's just, I don't know if you guys have had, it's from Martin House, I think it's out of Fort Worth, it's called, like they're known for their pickle beer. It's called Best Made. Like, well, they partnered with Best Made. But the reason, the whole reason why we brewed a pickle beer in the first place is I like, I can make one better than that one. Because it just tasted like straight up pickle juice. Yeah. You know, it was an alcoholic pickle juice. So basically you could take, you could take pickle juice, probably and throw a little vodka in it and it'd be like the same thing. But I wanted it to actually taste like beer. So um, over at the co-op is when we brewed it for the first time. And uh, yeah, ever since then it's been received well. And then speaking of Greenage as our flagship, this year Angry's probably... Angry Bob Dylan is probably going to become our number one. Really? Yeah. That, that makes me so happy. It really does. That makes me so happy because I like w- when I had it, this has been probably two years, right? I mean, it was Leadville a year ago mm-hmm. and I was already, you know, hooked enough on it that I was putting in a drop bag. So um, it makes me so happy that people are like loving it. It's kicking off too. I was, I'm glad to hear, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder what he does with the pickles. Cause like, I can imagine you just in this warehouse with like 500 pickles and yeah. you like try to give it out to the homeless people. Right. It's like Seinfeld when they gave out just the stumps and not the tops. Right. So they'd be like, where's the juice? Right. Like, I don't want just a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. so how many, how many gallons of beer do you brew at a time? So say for the Bob Dylan, like how much would you right. brew, brew in a batch? It's roughly, roughly like 350 gallons. And then out of 350 gallons, how much pickle juice and pickles do you need? How much pickles are we using? Yeah. We're using, uh, you know, by the time we use the juice and the, uh, after we run the pickles for the food processor, it's usually around 10 or 11 gallons, give or take. And then, you know, we throw in some dill too for a little extra punch. And then that's Bob Dylan. And then Angry, it's the same thing. It's the same base beer, same amount of pickles, but then we get fresh Serranos, Jalapenos, cut the stems off, run through a food processor and throw those in. Dang. And I know on Sundays you guys do like a, like it's not, a, not necessarily a Bloody Mary, but it's like a Bloody Mary with yeah. like the seasoning. Yeah, red, yeah, red beer, a, a michelada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we give, them. you know, we give patrons their choice, but 90% of the people use Angry Bob Dylan as the base. And we just, we take Zing Zang and we add a little extra to it. And that's what we use. And then we top it off with Angry and line the rim with Tahim and, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's one of the best Micheladas in the city, probably. I would have to, I'd have to argue that it is the best. Because we, we put a little lime in it, too. So you got, I don't know, there's something about the, that fresh pepper mixed with the, that pickle flavor. And then a little bit of lime and like Worcestershire sauce, black pepper. It all comes together to, to create a great Michelada. And it's great for hangovers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> little hair of the dog. Right. How did you come up with the logo? Uh, the logo was, uh, we kind of just knew what we want. Like we had seen a couple Did you things. name it first? You named it first. Yeah. So we knew we wanted to be called Cross Timber. So for those who don't know, 
Cross Timbers, yes, there are a lot. There are multiple businesses called Cross Timbers within the state of Oklahoma. But what we're finding out is that Oklahomans don't realize that's because there's an eco region that covers most of eastern Oklahoma. It's called the Cross Timbers. It's eco region number twenty nine. So it runs from southern Kansas to northern Texas. But the bulk of the cross timbers lies in Oklahoma, and it's east of the I-35 corridor. And it's just, it's basically old forest growth of, you know, predominantly blackjack oak, post oak, and then like savanna land. And so, you know, you drive out by Lake Arcadia or whatever, like you're in the cross timbers. That's like the start of the cross timbers. You know how that looks with like rolling hills and blackjack oaks everywhere. That's the cross timbers region. So we kind of wanted to pay homage to the state of Oklahoma. Since, you know, we were born and raised in Oklahoma, we wanted to pay homage to a cool region of the state and, uh, yeah, just kind of raise awareness of it and that it's not, you know, Oklahoma's not all flat land and pasture land. Like, it's got, it's actually very, very biodiverse. And uh, we just kind of wanted to, to pay homage to that region. So, we yeah, we knew in the garage that we wanted to be called, if we were able to make our dream into reality, it'd be called Cross Timbers Brewing Company. Um, Logo-wise... I think we saw a couple things online and we added, we just kind of added them together. And then we, we went to a graphic designer. I don't know if he's still in business. He's not our current one, but at the time his name was Ben Stone, lived in Edmond. And we found him online and we're like, Hey man, like this is kind of what we're thinking. Can you just like make it better? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so he added the, he added the brush stroke effect to it. Oh, yeah. So basically what we took him, we took him like this square with this same kind of like Viking looking rune tree. That's what it was, but then he's what he's what made it into like what I consider like I think it's pretty badass logo. Yeah, uh, he added the brushstroke effect to it, and that's that's how we had that. But that was back before that's back when we were still in the garage. That was part of the checklist to get into the bruising. Yeah, we're like oh, we gotta have an official logo. Okay, cool. So and then you went from so like what is you went you went from the garage now you're brewing beer. What what is like your favorite beer to brew, and then what is your least favorite beer to brew? Huh. Man, uh, Green Edge and Green Edge Mob Dill are two most popular ones. Are my least favorite to brew <laughs> just because of all the because it's the most work. Yeah, yeah, fresh ingredients, and everything. In yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and but that's you know. That's how it is with a lot of things. It's like the more work it takes, you know, not necessarily the better it is, but um, those are unique beers and they take a lot more work. So yes, they are my least favorite and they, we brew them more than any other beer. So we're constantly, we put our little food processor to work, man. Like we're all, if we're not running cilantro through it, we're running peppers or pickles through it. You know, it's like, it's just more work. So those are my least favorite to brew. Um, my favorite to brew... I would say like anything new. I just like, I like brewing new. Like the most exciting day for me as a brewery owner operator is coming in and brewing a brand new batch, a brand new big tin barrel batch that I've never brewed before. That's like, that's the best because there's endless possibilities. Like you don't know, like I don't know what it's going to taste like. Yeah. So like, but then the anticipation, you have to wait, you know, basically like at least four weeks before you know what it's going to taste like. So those are probably my favorite. Do you have like a big miss where you, you had an idea, you thought it was going to be a great beer, you brewed it and it was terrible? Oh yeah, we've dumped stuff down the drain for sure. Uh, it's still There's still a little bit left down there right now. It's called F around and find out. It's basically just Bob Dylan with peanut butter. 
And the first time that we messed around with that, I fully expected to dump that down the drain. Like, I, I just knew it. Like, I knew making it, we were wasting all this. I'm like, this isn't going to work, but I want to try it anyway. And it weirdly works. And it's become kind of like a cult favorite here in our tap room. Peanut butter pickle. So, yeah. You would never imagine that those two <laughs> things would ever go together, right? They shouldn't. <laughs> and then what, what could you tell that people that are wanting to do, like, the premise of the podcast is like being a dad and just doing abnormal things. And mm-hmm. it can't be, it's not just running or ultra sports or triathlons, but it's starting your own business. Sure. You know how hard it is as a, as a parent to want to even think about changing careers. Oh yeah. And not only changing careers, you're changing into the unknown. You're not going to sure. go find another just steady paying job. This is yeah. a job that's based on what I can do. Oh yeah. And can I find my niche? Uh, what about owning a brewery that, People may not realize it's a lot more difficult than it is. I'm opening the door. I don't know. Right? How long do you want this podcast? To <laughs> um, well, you, so probably some unforeseen of, of yourself, right? You're like, man, I did not realize I was going to have to do all this too. Man, so I knew, like, we, Brendan and I both knew that this was going to be ridiculously hard. But we were so energized by it. And we had the support of our families, which was huge, that we were just full steam ahead. It's been the greatest adventure of our lives, bar none, on par with having kids, since you mentioned that, because I feel like opening any, I mean, opening any small business is tough. Being an entrepreneur, it's tough. You have to be disciplined going into it or else you'll fail straight out of the gate. So, but a brewery adds another layer to it because there's so many government regulations the overhead's ridiculous, and just the beverage industry in general is hard. Like, making beer, like, it's hard because, like, one little thing throughout the umpteen thousand processes going from grain and water to sitting here right here and drinking it, one tiny little thing will ruin the whole batch. So all that labor cost is down the drain if you do one tiny little mistake all the you know thousands of dollars worth of raw materials one tiny little hiccup in your daily routine can ruin it all so that i feel like that's what makes brewing a little more challenging also too right now some people disagree with me but i think kind of like the 2008 like housing bubble i think right now oklahoma city or oklahoma as a whole we're in like a brewery bubble so as you mentioned explosion of breweries it's good, but also I think maybe across the board per capita in Oklahoma, too many breweries formed so quickly that the level of interest is not quite there to fully, fully support all these breweries. And that's why you're seeing some breweries close now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I was, no, keep going. I, th- I thought of it. But so circling back to just the, the difficulty of opening. Yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been very trying. Uh, I have a 12-year-old, my uh, youngest, so I have two sons, uh, wife Amy, oldest son is Aaron, he's 12, youngest son is Asher, he turns seven tomorrow, and as I mentioned, I never know what day's what anymore, like, even though I have a Google Calendar and stuff like that, I still, like, it's me and Britton doing everything with this place. We are, we're operations, we are taproom management, we are sales, we're procurement, we are maintenance you know like we have we have our beer tenders and they're awesome but outside of that 
it's us. My wife, Amy, she does payroll and HR and taproom scheduling. But outside of that, it's me and Britton. We're doing everything. So I had actually forgotten that it was my youngest son's birthday tomorrow, right? <laughs> so because I I was I was gonna come in and brew a small batch with uh, with the home brewer, and we're we're gonna release it next month, and we had it all scheduled out. And when I told my wife about it, she was like, "Um, Saturday, huh?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Saturday." I'm like, gonna gonna brew a beer. Just a regular Saturday. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I work weekends <laughs> all the time, like seven days a week usually. And she's like, it's your youngest son's birthday. And I was like, you're right, it is. So that's kind of, you know, like. Maybe we can move his birthday to Sunday. Right? <laughs> so, well, long story short, I felt horrible. A, I felt horrible. B, we moved the brew day out. So we're going to go to main event tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. It feels, it kind of feels like Groundhog's Day. Like yeah. every day. It's just like, there's always a new challenge. There's always something new happening. Um yeah, man, it's 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 tough sledding, but uh, that's what entrepreneurship is, you know. Like, so I guess. Uh, yeah, and even, and after all that, you still described it as kind of the greatest adventure, you know. Ever. Oh, absolutely. You described it as being on par with having kids. You on, know, what I mean, it's yes, and that's it, that's something that's so weird. I think. I mean, I I have some similarities with you. I, I left a, a big law firm job at one point to start my own law firm. Um, and so, you know, there were some, there were some doubts and there were some concerns and there were some unexpected things that come up. Um, and there still are even, even now. And, um, but, but still kind of even knowing all those things, it's still like, oh yeah, it's, it's like the greatest adventure ever. Um, there's something that's, I think, so rewarding about it. And one thing that I really love is, you know, my kids to get to see that my kids to get to see me, you know, taking a risk and betting on myself and, you know, and, and good or bad, sure. I still think there's so much value in that. There is. Absolutely. So like, so are you, are you, are you willing to, are you willing to take control of your own life as, as best we can? You know, are we willing to take control of our own lives and try to steer destiny to where we want it to go? Or are we just living to die? You know? I mean, that's essentially the difference between starting your own business and then kind of just working the same job over and over again. Is that what you're kind of saying? If, if you're, you know, if you're fed up with it, if you yeah. don't like it, if you like, if you, if, yeah, if you're not an entrepreneur and you love your job, cool. shoot, yeah, man, yeah, like power to you. But if you Get are- Get that health insurance, baby. Uh, right? Uh, that's right. Oh, man. I had such great health insurance. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I didn't mean to dig up we'll, an old No. Well, so we'll talk about, we'll talk about uh, like compensation later, maybe offline. But uh, yeah, the money's not there yet for me. So I'm, I'm draining my 401k, man. Yeah. Yeah. You really? Oh, yeah. I mean, because you guys have you're such a great venue, right? Overhead is stupid. It's just, is it like, yeah. is it the cost of ingredients and the yeah. cost of brew? It's just, yeah, it's just, it's kind of the nature. Bre- breweries are long-term, they're long-term gigs. Okay. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Yeah, we're we're doing well in the taproom. We're doing well in distro. But, um, yeah, there's the startup cost of a brewery, like, is just so ridiculous. And we got used. I mean, not everything's used, but... It doesn't matter. It's just so expensive to start a brewery. So, like, you have to. So, I will. I'll use this as an opportunity. Shout out to uh, my mentor. His name's Mike Noonan. Started a brewery in Colorado called uh, Crow Hop. Um, moved down here to Oklahoma. Brewed for Bricktown Brewery for a while. Um, super. One of the most intelligent dudes I've ever met. Uh, super good brewer. But he's the he's the main dude, I guess, creative wise and flavor wise behind OKC Soda. 
His name's Mike Noonan. He's the dude over at the Brewers Union that helped us scale up from garage size to professional size. Um, he told us, like, man, it's funny too, because like at the time we were so burnt out with our jobs, and he told us, man, you just wait, you just wait, you start your own brewery, like you think it's bad, like you just wait because it is going to be so tough. And we're like, ah, man, it's tough right now. We this is our side hustle, like we're going to be living our dream. He told us that he he was going to write a book on how to start a brewery someday, and it's going to be one page. <laughs> you want to guess what it says? Don't don't. Don't have and do it. <laughs> that's that's his. That's coming from a former, you know, just beer lover. Started a brewery in Colorado. You know, was living his dream, and then just got ground down by the whole process, the whole investor process, the whole everything. You know, he just got ground down, and he yeah. And that's that was his advice. He's like, man, you guys are awesome. I'm going to help you all that I can, but buckle up. Yeah, buckle up. I mean, I guess you would think you go in this brewery and your guys' like presentation so good. You're like, God, these guys just must be killing it. Like, they're just doing so, so good. And yeah, so you're saying long-term investment as in like you're getting those, those everyday clients that come in and buy beer. Is that what the long-term investment of a brewery is? Or is it getting your, your, your overhead low enough that you start to generate right. revenue? No, it's move. It's just, it's moving volume, you know, it's, okay. it's moving volume. So like the tap room is doing good. Warmer months for us, obviously, as every brewery are better. Yeah. The winter is terrible for restaurants and bars and breweries, um, especially here in Oklahoma. So, what I've like, Okies, Okies are kind of wussies across the board when it comes to weather, you know, even though, which I always find such a weird, it's kind of ironic that Oklahomans are so fickle and like let the weather dictate whether they're going to get out of the house. Because we always like to say, like, oh, like our weather changes on a dime, and we have tornadoes, and you guys are wussies, you know? Yeah. But, you know, if it's below, if it's below 50 degrees, we're like, oh, I'm not coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come out and have a beer, right. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, like, come on, like, go, like, go spend a little time, like, in Minnesota, you know? Like, yeah. You appreciate yeah. A good beer. I'm born and raised Oklahoma. I love you, Oklahoma. <laughs> you, uh, you need you need to get a little tougher. Right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's funny. And then when and when brewing, how do you determine the cost? I've always been curious. Like, how do you determine? Like, all right, this beer is gonna we're gonna charge this much for this oh, sure. beer. Is that just based on different varieties, different varieties of uh, ingredients you have to put in, and then of course the cost yeah. associated with those ingredients? Yeah, it's just just raw materials. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. IPAs are IPAs are expensive because they you know require a lot of hops, a lot of hops. Hops are expensive, um, especially the new trendy varieties. Because just like beer styles trend, hops trend. So, and you want to be. We haven't necessarily jumped on that I guess hop trend train yet. We're not known for IPAs. We've made some good ones. We're not known for them, but. Um, yeah, man, it's all it's all raw material based. So like your big beers, your big imperial stouts, your barley wines, you use more malt, and so you're using more bags of grain to get the same volume, you know. So yeah, it's just it's based off of raw materials. So it's not necessarily based off alcohol percentage. It's based off of the combination of everything that goes into it. Like fruits, super expensive. So it just it just depends. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and we've we've talked so much about. You said you're here seven days a week. Whenever you do squeeze out some free time, sure. 
like what do you enjoy doing? I know you you donate back to hunting. Do you do you enjoy to hunt? Or I, I like to fish. Like uh, fish. I don't get to do it a lot anymore. I actually sold my sold my kayak a few months ago. I had a had a Jackson big rig. Um, had to sell it because I just never used it. You know, just sitting in the garage, and I would look at it and be like, I'm going to use you next weekend. And then next weekend would come up, and if I'm not here, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to put together the pieces of the you know the, the home life and that sort of things. And I'm not up here. I'm not up here like seven days a week all the time. But there are you know stints of a week or two weeks where especially if we have events and we're up here like um it's all hands on deck you know just helping out and yeah so what's your uh what's your vision for this place like where do you where do you see it going where do you want it to go um right now right now i will say we are just focused on i think we have such an opportunity because our i think our brand is cool and i think our beer is good and we have such an opportunity just in Oklahoma City alone, but I just want to expand our brand. Like I want to be, I want to have more cross timbers tap handles, you know, in the Tulsa Metro and in the Oklahoma City Metro. And then um, talking about packaging wise distribution, like can wise, I would like to see us in a lot more places. It's just tough for us right now because as I mentioned overhead, we just can't, we can't put it in our, we can't fit it in right now to have like a full-time salesperson. So we go through a distributor. Um, it's called RNDC. They're great. Um, I guess I'll use this as an opportunity too for your listeners. If you have, if you've had our beer and you like our beer, but you can't find our beer, that's a common problem. Your just go to your favorite liquor store, your local liquor store, or your one that you frequent, and just be like, hey, like, is you think you get some cross timbers? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. Blah, blah. If they ask what distributor it goes through, it's RNDC. So we're available statewide. Okay. Um, you just have to basically ask your liquor store. And if they're on board, they can order it. And what we like to say, because RNDC is the distributor for Jack Daniels in this state, if you're an establishment and they have Jack Daniels, you can get our beer, which is basically everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, solid. That's good to know. Yeah. But I've always heard of like, hey, just go up there and. You know, order order whatever beer you want. No, yeah. I'm like, they don't listen to me. Like, yeah. hey, I'm this random guy. You might order me a six pack. You know, yeah. and so that's good to know. Like yeah. any of the liquor stores that you go to, just say, hey, can you get some yeah. cross timbers in? And usually, like, they'll, they're going to order that, and that helps you guys out. That helps us too. Okay, and and, and sometimes they'll want you to be like, uh, can you commit to like a case? You know, and because they have RNDC puts like a case limit, you know, and so they they just want to know that at least some of it's spoken for. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah, we're we're available statewide. Yeah, interesting. It's yeah. good to know. Yeah. And so, like, what's what's your favorite when you go fishing? Yeah. Like, what style of fishing do you like to do? And then, what, what, what's your favorite fish to, to go after? I went off. I went off on another tangent, didn't I? Uh, bass. I like bass fishing. Man, bass, crappie, and catfish probably. Good. Uh, just the Oklahoma just, staples. Just yeah. In, yeah, just any. You know, really. Like, I like taking my kids. Yeah bluegill fishing you know like that's the best isn't it to me it's just kind of like so home brewing was my hobby i turned my hobby into profession fishing is right there with it so fishing remains kind of my zen you know like i if uh i kind of talked about like i feel like i'm in the zone like on a brew day that's it's a different feeling though you know it's it's a different feeling than just being out on the water um you know drinking drinking a beer that i brewed 
myself from a place that I never thought I'd have and uh, you know, just going fishing. It's uh, that's my zen. Yeah. Yeah. And so any any species, uh, if I had to pick one, they'll probably pass. I was I was watching Steve Rinell. I was reading this Steve Rinell's cookbook about bluegill. I've always called them perch yeah, or sure. panfish. Sure. And he's like, they call them panfish because that's what a primary, a lot of the primary food for a lot of the Western settlers was yeah. like that perch or panfish or bluegill yeah. because they're so easy to catch. They're abundant. They're you good. can find yeah. them everywhere. And then I'm, so this year we're going to go, we catch them all the time. We always toss them back, right? Yeah. This year I'm going to, I'm going to catch some panfish or perch. And we're Have you never had a bluegill? I've never flayed out a bluegill. If you can get a big enough one to make it worth your while, they are, I mean, they're better than bass. Yeah. I just met a guy this morning. He was out kind of looking at some, we're trying to build a house and he came out and do some dirt work and he's like, and he was like, Hey, this is what I like to do. And he showed me a bunch of big old channel cat. And, yeah. and he was catching. I was like, what do you do? Trout lines? He's like, I noodle. Yeah. I was like, dude, you have to take me noodling. Yeah. Please take me noodling. He's like, I'm going to go in three weeks. Right. You better be serious. I was like, like no, I'm pretty serious. In a lake? Yeah. 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 I want to go noodling so bad. I want to try it. I just, it looks like fun and it's probably on the level of pretty damn dangerous oh sure uh, just because you, you see those guys get caught up underneath the rocks yeah. and stuff sometimes but that's like an Oklahoma you can officially call yourself an Oklahoma if, oh for if sure yeah right yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the only place that people noodle I've right? never actually like been noodling myself I had, had an uncle who would go and we'd go out with him on uh, on the river uh, by Enid and they'd have like barrels placed out you know and those big like muddy flathead catfish but those don't those don't taste as good as like like the channel cat you know? yeah big the, the mud cats don't taste quite as good but. and for listeners that don't understand what noodling is is you basically canvas this correct me if i'm wrong matt but you canvas the side of the banks or underneath rock whatever in, in the water and you stick your arm in there and you tickle the fish and it basically bites your hand yeah. you grab what you can right inside that mouth yeah. and you pull it out yeah your goal is to get them to bite onto your hand so then, <laughs> so then you have that lever you know then you then you have a you know hold holding spot and then yeah depending on the size of them it can be quite the battle but like i said i i agree like i'd like to go new one too i think it i think it looks fun it does. Yeah. So if I get hooked, if I get going with this guy, I'm going to shoot you a text. Yeah. And say, hey, <laughs> sure. if you're not brewing today, yeah, let's go see if we get our hand bit off. I will never turn down a fishing trip. We took, we actually took a rare day off the other Monday, um, and we felt guilty doing it too. That's another thing too. Like when, when you work for yourself, when you have a business like this that it's never ending, like you feel guilty like taking off a day, even if there's really not much going on. Like we feel guilty, but we did take. We decided to take kind of a mental day. Um, we have a buddy. His name's Matt Gershner. He's the GM at the Joinery in Bricktown. I don't know if you guys have been there. If you haven't, you should you should go there. So it used to be Tapworks. Did you guys ever go to Tapworks? That's what I was yeah. telling you about the yeah. other day. Yeah, yeah you did. Tapworks. Yeah. yeah. So the Tapworks is now called the Joinery, and it's under the same umbrella as the Patriarch in Edmond and Social Capital right over there by Scissortail Park, and then um, the Standard in Norman. It's the same ownership umbrella, so they're very beer-focused. And anyways, he's a good buddy. He's from Louisiana, loves to fish. He has the hookup on this farm pond out by El Reno, um, just stocked full of bass. And uh, so we, me, Britton, and, and we call him Matty Ice, we, uh, we took the day off and we went out there and had kind of a mental mental day just, just the other Monday and caught a whole mess of them and then uh, went back to my house, filleted them, and they're in my freezer right now, so... 
Of course, you'd sold the kayak too, right? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's that pond though is it's good enough. Like just bank fishing, it's it's stupid. It's, it's I, I don't enjoy fun. lake fishing very much because yeah. it's just kind of a little overwhelming for me. But sure. I I and I don't really enjoy fishing all that much. But man, I really enjoy pond fishing. Yeah. Like a good Oklahoma pond. Oh yeah. It's not very big. I mean, you could throw a rock across it, right? But sure. that's the most fun I have. Is just oh yeah. You, you know, ripping out the perch. And then throwing something deep for the catfish. Oh yeah, that's I, I don't know. I, I that that fishing I do enjoy. Catfishing is fun. Catfishing is more to me of it's more ritualistic almost. Like it's just it's fun and relaxing just being out there. You know, having your having your your bait and your line on bottom, just kind of waiting and you know just kind of bsing with your buddies. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's the part of catfishing I enjoy the most. I don't care if I catch it. I mean, catching stuff's a bonus, but. Um, just kind of going out there and getting away from the normal thing and, uh, yeah, sitting around a fire and drinking a couple beers and just waiting on catfish to buy on your line. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good fire around yeah. a lake? You know, and it's, right. it's almost a saying is like, it's not the destination support, it's more the journey. That's right. It's just a journey of fishing, right? Like you're not really there to feed the family and put a bunch of food on the table. You're there just to kind of enjoy the camaraderie oh, sure. of, of what it is, especially you're at a fire with the beer you brew. It's even probably more special for you to go fishing that way. Sometimes, now, sometimes I get tired of drinking my Oh, I'm, and then <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up here soon. But another question I'm thinking as a brewer, you know, like you go places, right? There's a few occupations that can't get away from their job. You can't get If you're a lawyer, can't get away from your job. You go somewhere, you always got a buddy that needs some help, right? <laughs> yeah, he's laughing at me because I'm, I'm pointing at myself. Doctors, car mechanics, sure. computer repairmen, can't get away from their jobs. Right. When you go places, they're like... Hey Matt, you know, hey man, bring uh, can you bring a couple growlers with you? Sure. You know? Is that is that a common place for a brewer? Man, not really, because like I think everyone knows that I just I'm just gonna be here, you know. <laughs> like I don't really do much outside of work, you know. Like that's why I made a point to like it felt we felt guilty going <laughs> fishing. You're like, man, we're taking a we're taking a Monday off. Like, what are we doing? Like, we could be doing something. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, it's it's kind of like the same thing, I guess. Yeah, like in the garage, you know, you always have those friends that are just like, oh, yeah, free beer. Cool. Uh, when you're not drinking a beer, do, when you're not drinking a beer that you brew. Yeah. Good question. What, yeah. What, what's your favorite? What's your go-to? Guess. Take a guess. Holy cow. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> Coors Heavy. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, because salt on your on your. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. I, I was cheating. I love, I love Yellow Bellies. Yeah, it's one of my sure, favorite yeah. beers, too. And... This is because I'm in the Navy and I, I love you. I'm not going to say Yingling because sure. you probably you probably don't have it as much as Oklahoma. We just got it here. I like Yingling. Yeah. I like Yingling yeah. though. I do. Um, I don't know. Coors Heavy and PBR? Uh, High Life. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Miller Miller High Life actually I think is. The champagne of beers? Oh yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It like, is a it, good beer. And it's funny though because it's a, it's a lower price point. Um, that's hard to find. I don't know if I've but, really seen it all out. Yeah, dude, it used to be huge. I used to drink the crap out of it because yeah. I would watch King of Queens and, and Doug Heffernan would drink High yeah, Life on the couch. Right, yeah, that's Queens. when he came home. Yeah, so he came home and had High Life. Yeah. I would like drink High Life watching Doug Heffernan drink High yeah. Life. That was, uh, yeah. Was no, like I don't. I don't have. So when I first started my craft beer journey, you know, I was a snob. I was just like, oh, I'm not drinking domestic. That's water, you know? I'm not drinking that. So I went through the normal phase. I like, West Coast IPAs, and then I got into Belgians, and I got into like Imperial Stouts. Um, but then I feel like I've, I kind of came full circle and uh, like lagers, pilsners, and lagers, and malty lagers are like my favorite. 
But in the summer, for sure, like I keep a little either either Coors Original or Banquet or a High Life around. You know, mow the mow the lawn and go crush a High Life or a Banquet or something. Like they they're just super refreshing. Yeah, you know, so. the, the, yeah. I mean, who doesn't enjoy a, a solid Pilsner after like a, a, yeah. a lawn mowing? And then for sure, what's your favorite? What's your favorite style of beer? Style? Um, whew, uh, I'll say broad. Broad brush stroke, like malty lagers. So, and I'll condense. What would you consider a malty? So, lager? like, <clears throat> um, like a German, a German Dunkel, or like we have a Bach on tap right now, which is just a dark lager, or like Oktoberfest, or otherwise known as like Marzins, are some of my favorite. So, malty, malty meaning they are not sweet, but pr- their primary mm. flavor is driven from the actual like barley or wheat or whatever itself you know they're they're malty the hops the hops only serve to balance the beer so which is kind of funny because overly uber hoppy beers is what got me into craft beer but and i still like them but they're not my favorite now yeah more malt driven but like you're saying like one style for the rest of my life probably german pilsner yeah german or czech pils and and that's kind of where like Budweiser, Coors, and Miller kind of got their start with the German immigrants coming over. Yeah, they did. Brewing those styles of beer, They right? just didn't have access to all the ingredients ah. that the Germans had, so they had to work with what they could. It, yeah. Like, we were just talking about the other day going to Oktoberfests and stuff, and, like, German beer hits different, right? It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy German beer well, it's myself. it's part of their culture, you know? Like, that's one thing that's different, I feel like, in Germany compared to here, is in Germany, it's rooted in their culture. You know, um, and yeah, it's good stuff. We 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 both Britain and I both have kind of German heritage on our sides of the family, so we we try to brew and do justice to traditional German styles. What makes German? Is it just the what makes them so different from what like what we're brewing or drinking today, or you know your traditional big beers here in, in, in the United States? Right. Is it the access to just different ingredients, or is it the style? It's, I think it's more of just heritage and know-how. I mean, they've been doing it forever, you know, like it, uh, in Bavaria, they've been brewing beer so long. Um, and they have what they call, you know, they came up with what they call the, the German purity law, which states that you can only use water, malt, barley malt, uh, yeast and hops, four ingredients. And they call it the German purity law. And that's what beer is. And it's just, like I said, it's just ingrained in their, beer's ingrained in their culture. Like age, it's not like here you got to be 21 to drink over there. It's just, it's a more, you know, laissez-faire, lax outlook at it. Because they view beer more as like, you know, tea or Coke or whatever. Just like, don't get crazy on it. Don't get slobbered on it. But it's just... It's, it's like, it's the beverage of their culture. It's yeah. beverage of life. So Germany is, as far as I'm concerned, Germany is the spot for, for beer, and which is why we try to brew as many classic German styles as, as we can, as we can fit into our schedule. So yeah. like no cilantro is allowed. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No cilantro. Uh, yeah, no cilantro. And not, no adjuncts. So adjuncts. Adjuncts are a fermentable 
source of like maltose grain that's not barley. So that's why it goes back to that German purity law. No corn, right? No wheat. Interesting. No, no adjuncts. So, oh man. And they have access. Not, not wheat. Sorry, not wheat. They have access to that stuff probably pretty readily then, and because it would seem like that'd be hard to get over here. Like there, so the yeah, Germany, their um, their climate is prime. It's perfect for growing barley and hops. So um, that's kind of part of the reason why there are great wine growing regions in the world, right? But not every place can grow right good wine grapes. Um, so if you draw, if you draw a line, this is actually going back to Mike Noonan, just talking about our mentor. He was the one that kind of gave us this aha moment, talking about hops and kind of the correlation behind growing regions across the world. If you draw a line from the Yakima Valley region in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, which is primarily where all the hops come from, it, you draw, draw a line and it kind of goes through the hop growing region of Germany. So it, it matters when it comes, like climate's very important for wine and it's very important for hops too. So that automatically, like they had, they had hops and they, they had great farmland to grow barley and yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm of Belgian descent. Is, okay. that, is that a good beer growing? Like you've all hear, hear of Belgian oh, yeah. beers. For sure, yeah. Yes. Belgian's right. good. No, it's in Belgian, the blood, you know? Belgian's, <laughs> Belgian's a great beer region. I mean, you know, all the like the monasteries and stuff, all the monastic beers. Um, rich culture with that too, with like the monks making their own Belgian beers. And what's what's cool about the history of beer is that over time, as they you know throughout the eons of brewing, different breweries have their own house yeast strain. So Belgian. What gives Belgian beers their unique characteristic is the yeast. It's not necessary. It's not the hops. It's not necessarily the malt, not the grain. It's the yeast. So, um, yeah, Belgian Belgian beers are very, very OG. So their yeast could be like hundreds of years old. Oh, absolutely. Just over and over. Yeah, just a cold. Yeah. So you're literally drinking the beer of your great grandfather in a way. Yeah. yeah. I mean like it's in a way. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the same thing as like the like bread making process. Um, you hear of like a starter culture with the, it's, it's kind of, there's correlations with don't, beer yeast. Don't give my wife any sort of like, she already has her dang sourdough starter that I'm apparently supposed to pass oh, yeah. down for the next 200 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just keep it, go- you just keep it going. <laughs> don't give her yeah. Don't give her any sort we kind of, of We kind of do the same thing with beer. So, and to a certain extent, not nearly. So, beer yeast doesn't have nearly the longevity as like what we're talking about, like a sourdough yeast culture. But the way we do it, because um, beer is a living organism, yeast is yeast are the driving like living force behind beer um, and we're able to reuse the yeast from best to batch and we go what we call like cone to cone so um, once a beer's done and finished if we want to use that same strain of yeast we can hook up and push with co2 pressure and we push that yeast that it was created and multiplied out of the cone into a new beer and it starts a new life as a new beer so it's not necessarily like not all the time but you know when it makes sense we we save that yeast and we can take it multiple generations of the same pitch and just keep reusing it. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate it. You got any more questions for him, Jared? No. This what? has been awesome. Other than you should plug Cross Timbers on social media. and Absolutely. Yeah, I'm getting up. ready to open that up. Yeah, so for definitely him. do that. But I just, man, I, I appreciate it. I was, I was excited about this episode as I have been for any. Um, I, I love your brewery and tap room. Um, Thank you. I think it's the... I think it's the best in Oklahoma City in terms of, you know, just the, the patio is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the beers are great, too. And there's a there's a ton of awesome beers. Appreciate um, that. And so. there's a good barbecue spot just on the other side oh, of de- Dead People Stuff. So it's, if you don't know where the brewery yeah. is, it's right next to Dead People Stuff, and which is a cool little place in itself. And then you got the barbecue joint right next to it. So you can come on the patio. You can have beers. You can have barbecue. You can go check out Dead People Stuff if you haven't been out here. Please come out and like have a beer across Timbers, and you're not gonna you're not gonna regret it one bit. And then Matt, where can they find you on social media? Social media, uh, we're active on um, active on Facebook and uh, Instagram, a little bit on uh, TikTok, kind of getting the TikTok going. But um, Instagram, we're we're Cross Timbers BC, um, and Facebook, we are Cross Timbers Brew. So check them out. Go for a run, finish your run at Cross Timbers, and then have enough enough Bob Dylans to get you home, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. But you can find me at Savage Navy Chief on Instagram, Iron Man Lawyer, The OK Runners, and The OK Runners at Gmail if you want to send us an email. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.